This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to this week's episode of the Modern Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Cook. In today's episode, I'm joined by author, speaker, and podcaster, Jeff Sanders. Jeff hosts the 5am Miracle Podcast, and his most recent book, The Free Time Formula, is all about how we can define and create the habits that lead to focus, productivity, happiness, and success. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today on Modern Mentor. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here today. Well, I'm really excited to dig into some of your expertise. I know you are the 5 a.m. miracle guy, and I would love to share with my listeners, first and foremost, just a little bit about the backstory and what is so magical for you about 5 a.m. I think 5 a.m. is kind of a miraculous thing. It was not my story growing up. I definitely was the the late riser, the last minute kind of guy. I think that's what led me to early mornings was that I got to a place in my mid-20s where I was kind of tired of waking up feeling exhausted. I was tired of waking up feeling like I don't, I'm rushing here. So I, I, and I was busy at the time. I had a full-time job. I was training for a marathon, building a side business. I'm like, how do I make this work? So I tried waking up at 5 a.m. one day and I loved it. It just clicked right away, mostly because I woke up and went for a run and the morning run like really transformed how I thought of my day. And so then that led to more productivity down the road. And so I, instead of, Running in the morning later on, I started doing major work projects or personal goals, and I've just optimized those early morning hours to make it my time. And I didn't have that before in that way. And so I think that early mornings can be miraculous. 5 a.m. is optional, but I think that embracing this idea of being intentional with your time uh, can be really profound if you schedule your time in a way that really works for you. I love that story. And I will confess, it would be a miracle to get me out of bed at 5 a.m., but I love that you just put a stake in the ground and went for it. The way that I heard you tell that story, it was not, I woke up with 5 a.m. with the intention of shifting my life, changing the world, getting a new job. It was just, I don't like how this feels now, so I'm going to try something different. And I think that that's a really powerful way. Sometimes when we are trying to achieve some version of success, and we may not know what that looks like, the most powerful thing we can do is just do something different. Is that kind of what that felt like to you? 
Oh, certainly. I don't think I was even looking for a new lifestyle or a new solution necessarily. All I really knew was is that something wasn't working and I needed to do something different. And then when I did something different, even on day one, I was like, oh, there's something to this. And I could lean on this and I could make this into something more. And it wasn't for a few months before I realized that this was going to become a, a real permanent thing for me. And so for a while, I was just tinkering and trying things and seeing what works and I've been that kind of guy for a long time. Mostly I apply that to, you know, different hobbies I take on or a business I may want to start. But this was the first like real intentional lifestyle shift that I made. And I think that once I discovered that I had the ability to just like, you know, tweak my habits in different ways, then I could see those results. And it was like, oh, this is a thing like this, like changing my life on a daily basis really adds up. So then what else can I do? And that's for me has led to years of just like exploration to figure out how can I optimize my time? When we talk on Modern Mentor about creating success, it's very much about this sense of we are all empowered to define and create it for ourselves, right? So if something in your life isn't exactly what you want it to be, our encouragement is don't sit around and wait for change, but create it for yourself. And that to me is what your story illustrates. And what I'd love to hear more of from you. So you tried this one habit. It sounds like it was, it created some success for you just in the way that you felt and the momentum that it brought to you. What did you do from there? How do you like to think about choosing and defining the habits that you believe are going to lead to success? I think choosing habits for me often comes down to, I think what we just mentioned, which is that does it work for me? You know, one thing that I know doesn't work for me is meditation. I've tried it a thousand times. It hasn't clicked yet. I, I'll, I'll try it again. I will, but it's just not my thing. And when I try new habits and they tend to feel like this, like resonates with me and it's solving a problem in my life right now. And I have that tangibleness of saying, you know, I, I made a change to this new way and here are the results because of it. I get really excited about seeing that progress in a tangible way. And if I can try more habits that lead to more of that kind of success, then I'm just going to keep leaning on that and keep trying and keep pushing that envelope because that's what I want to, to feel. I want the emotional reaction of what I'm doing is working. And so if I don't feel that sense, then I'm probably going to try something else. And that's just kind of how I go. I know it's not as logical. It's definitely an emotional thing. But the things in my life that have worked the best are the things I'm the most invested in emotionally. So I want to make sure that that's a driver for me, especially when it comes to how I live every day. Yeah. So there's sort of an intuition about it. This feels right. This feels like me versus this doesn't feel right or it doesn't feel like me. And what I also love about the way you articulated that is that there is no one right way to be successful. Mm -hmm. There is no right set of habits we should all have. I'm, I am also a failed meditator. I believe in it, but it didn't work for me. And I think it can be hard sometimes to take ownership of that, right? We need to make choices around what feels right and what feels like it's moving us towards where we're trying to get to. Yeah, certainly. So let's just get real. So you wake up at 5am, you go on this run, you have this great day. Um, it's a really powerful story. And then I guess in theory, you've got to do it again the next day. <laughs> and I imagine, but correct me if I'm wrong, that that alarm at 5am is probably still not a welcome noise. <laughs> and I'm curious how you think about, so you may try a habit and you may decide, yes, this feels good. This feels important. But how do you think about maintaining momentum and engagement and motivation to keep some of these habits up? That's a good question because 5 a.m. on day one is fun and 5 a.m. on day two really sucks. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it, you begin to feel the pain of your decision. But no, in all honesty, though, the ha habits over time 
have to be something that you have shifted all of the different elements to align to make it work well. Um, and phrase another way, for 5 a.m. to work well, I have to then go to bed at 9 p.m. And that is the key for me that has that the habit change is not just the habit itself. It's the lifestyle that habits around that other habit. And so if everything is shifting to allow it to work, then you can create that kind of momentum over time and allow that to become part of who you are. But it's not going to feel fantastic if you haven't planned ahead for it. And that for me is 5 a.m. is not a, a requirement. I don't have to get out of bed at five. But. If I want my early mornings to go well, that means that my day has to lead up to me going to bed on time to get the good sleep, to wake up feeling refreshed. So if the alarm goes off and I'm you know, not happy about it, that probably means that I did something the day before to cause that to be true. And so I want to address that and figure out how to change my life to ensure that the core habits that matter most to me are getting done every day. And that really comes from that whole life perspective and organizing your time to ask those questions like, what does an ideal day look like for me? How does it look at my current schedule? How does it work with my current goals? And all of these things being kind of meshed together onto one calendar that does work for you. And if it doesn't, and you want to change it. And that's for me has been the, the ongoing challenge is making sure that the things I still believe in are still being carried out in my daily life. And that's, it's never easy. I can't say that 5 a.m., you know, stuck once it's there forever. Like it's a constant battle to ensure that the things I care about are going to stay true for the long term. So I have to like recommit to those habits and recommit to my priorities all the time or else I'll just kind of fall victim to the tendencies to stay out late or just kind of do what feels best as opposed to doing what I know works well for me. Sometimes the 9 p.m. Jeff and the 9 a.m. Jeff may not see eye to eye on what the best <laughs> choice is in the moment. True, and true. sometimes temptation can get the best of us. But having that sense of prioritization and commitment sounds like a really powerful motivator for you. Yeah, certainly. You just said a couple things in there that I thought were really interesting. You talked about kind of staying in check with your priorities and and sort of reassessing over time. And, you know, part of what this show is about is the idea that success is yours to define. It's each of ours to define it. And by the way, how I define success today may look different three months from now, six months from now. And so I'm curious for you, I guess, a couple of questions, and you can take them as you see fit, but how do you define success for yourself in a moment, but also how do you keep yourself honest over time? How do you recheck that? How do you reprioritize yourself against that moving target of what success looks like? Great questions. I think that for me, success, the actual definition that I use is one I just, I stole from somebody else on um, their late Earl Nightingale, who was a very kind of famous guy with personal development for many years. And he has a definition of success or had that speaks to the core of kind of how I want to live, which is that success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal. So it's just the idea of making tangible forward progress. And so for me, that's what I'm looking for with anything that I'm setting out to do. Whatever I decide is valuable or worthy of my time, I just want to make sure on a daily basis that I'm making real progress, and hopefully in a way that's focused, in a way that is you know impactful and profound for me. But really, it's just that question of, can I check the box to say, I did something today that moved me closer to that goal? And then the second component of that, the idea of kind of staying committed is that I do a very intentional review process every week. Um, this one I also stole from another great guy, David Allen, uh, the uh, author of the book, Getting Things Done. And in that system of getting things done, the GTD system, the weekly review is a really profound and important aspect of that that I've used for many years. 
And I, I do that because it forces me to say, you know, let's take a really like hard look at my life, my time, my goals, my tasks. What did I do last week? Did it work well? What are my goals for next week? And how can I ensure they get done? And it's really assessing at least once a week in a really intentional way. Here's my life right now. Here's the snapshot of where I am. And here's what went well last week. Here's what did not go well. And here's how I'm going to change and evolve for next week to ensure I can continue to make the progress that I want. And most people do not have that kind of just like intentional time to reflect. I know that because I've talked to a lot of people about productivity and most don't do this. And I, now that I've been doing it for a long time, I cannot imagine not doing it because of the results that I've seen from being able to really take up that hard, honest look at how my time is being spent so that I can find better solutions to my common problems. And I, I find so much value in that time, and, and it really does allow me the chance to ask those tough questions. You know, What is success for me this week? What is success for me today or in this very hour that I'm in now? And how can I ensure that I'm still on the ball going forward? And so asking a lot of questions leads to just more questions. And it's, a, it's a complicated area to, to dig into, but I think that's how I find so much more value in my time is because I took the time to figure out what that looks like. And so to me, that's it's, it's a very important process and a very important aspect of now of how I live and work. I find that one of the greatest ironies of productivity is that to be truly productive, we typically need to invest a certain amount of time upfront, which mm. when we aren't productive and we don't have the time becomes a really chicken or an egg kind of problem, right? I, I'm not productive because I don't have a, any rigor around how I plan and how I prioritize. And I don't have time to plan and prioritize because I'm not productive. And sometimes the key to productivity is just putting down your foot and saying, you know what, I don't have time to do this today, but I am going to force the time because I recognize the power of this investment. And I think you just illustrated that point really nicely. I'm sure that when you started, and, and keep me honest, I'm guessing that when you started that process, you probably didn't feel like you had the time to invest in it. And yet it <laughs> sounds like it has paid off for you in spades. Well, I, I, the problem you just addressed, I think, is really important. The idea that like we're so busy, we can't be productive, right? We're, we're doing so many things that we can't find the time to slow down, which is kind of the irony of productivity in of itself is that in order to get more done, we have to do less. And that for me is like one of the most profound lessons that I always struggle with, but I know is important because the only way for me you know, to live the life I want to is to be very focused and specific on the few things I give my energy to, which is why I have to be really good at saying no to lots of things. That's also why if I have a meeting on my calendar that gets canceled all of a sudden, I get really excited because now I know I have some free time that I can then fill with things that I value, you know, just as much or even more. And so I look forward to opportunities where I can reflect, where I can dig into these difficult problems and I know that every single day I'm asking that question, how do I make this to-do list smaller? How do I do less in order for me to invest myself more into a fewer number of items? Because that's how I feel more successful. I, I feel so much better when I do two things all day, but my whole day was about those two things as opposed to a to-do list that's a mile long. And I may have done a hundred things, but I feel overwhelmed. I feel exhausted. I just feel beat up by that process. So I don't want to live like that. I want to figure out how to do less, but accomplish more. So do you have any tips or tricks around when you have a whole bunch of things coming at you? Do you have any filters that you look through that help you decide what's a yes, what's a maybe, what's a no? 
well, for most of the time I'm trying to figure out with filtering, it comes down to like, what's due today? What do I absolutely need to address now? And so a lot of my, the filtering that I do is just delaying things, you know, postponing them till later. Um, and that's <laughs> not a process. It sounds like I'm just procrastinating or just being lazy, but it's actually a very intentional way of addressing and filtering the noise that comes in because most things that come at us every day are things that definitely could be done later. And so my only real question for today is how do I make today the best it can be? And generally that answer is focusing on a few things and the rest of stuff that comes in should be done later. And so if I can figure out how to A, delete things, I'll do that, or B, just postpone them to a time that's more ideal for me and my schedule, then I, I, I can figure out in my calendar how to guarantee focus blocks of time around those new tasks that have just popped up. And so it really is about being able to set very clear boundaries on your time and knowing full well that most of what we, we think of as important is actually just an urgent task that also is not important at all. And so once we can really analyze that and really identify that, it's so much easier then to make your time your own because you're not going to say yes to somebody else's you know last second email. You're really going to give your time to your stuff. I love what you just said about procrastination. And I'm, I'm chuckling as I'm listening to you say this because we've given it that label like it's a bad thing. But to your point, procrastination is sometimes a strategic choice. I'm not, not doing it because I'm lazy, which is sort of what procrastination tends to imply. I'm not doing it because it doesn't demand my attention right now. And I'm being strategic about the things that do. And I think sometimes part of what holds us up is just semantics, right? Let's not mm. call it procrastination. Let's call it a strategic choice. I tend to say the same thing with some of my clients about the idea of perfectionism, right? I think we we have a tendency to hide behind it. Well, I, I can't ship this yet. It's not perfect. And I'm a perfectionist. But really, sometimes you need to make the tough call and say, this is good enough. I'm going to ship it and move on. So I think productivity has some terms and labels associated with it that can kind of hold us back sometimes. Oh, certainly. There's a lot of productivity I think people get hung up on, which, yeah, it stops you from being your best self because you believe that there's some sort of, I don't know, societal like impression about like, this terminology. And really, at the end of the day, it's like, did the things that matter to you get done? And if that's true, then odds are you're doing fine. And the people that really want to get a hold of you, like they'll try again or, or they'll just give up. Like it's not actually a thing that you have to be that concerned about. And so I think for me, most of the time, it's this pressure from someone else that you think is important, but really it probably isn't or probably could be postponed. Or you can have a two-minute conversation with that person to delay it to a time that's better for you. So it's just about that, that real intentionality with here's here are my values, here are my goals, my priorities, and then I'll let the rest of it figure itself out. So you've shared a little bit with us in the realm of productivity and how you get the important things done. And I think you've made it clear your point of view on productivity is not necessarily about maximizing the number of things you knock off a list, but focusing on getting the right things done. What are some other things that you've learned along the way? It sounds like you've been on quite a journey in your own kind of personal growth and productivity and development. And I would love it if you could just share any insights you've picked up along the way that you feel like might be helpful to some of our listeners around being not just productive, but meaningfully productive? Well, I think one of the strategies that I, I briefly mentioned earlier is this idea of a focus block of time. This has been a concept for me that has really revolutionized how I am productive and how I'm most importantly effective 
with my time. And so for me, I use the acronym of a focus block of time. I call it an FBOT. And so my FBOTs are just times on my calendar where I guarantee focus for one specific task. Uh, so a simple example most people are aware of would be time at the gym. If you're going to go work out and you walk into the gym and you're wearing your gym clothes and you're going to work out that day, you've got an hour on your calendar you know, guaranteed for it. You know, the odds that you're going to work out are extremely high because you're already in the right place with the right materials. The time's already guaranteed on the calendar. So at the end of that hour, pretty good chance you probably worked out. It was probably a decent workout. So you got the results you wanted. But that same level of intentionality is usually not applied to work. And so that's what I like to apply with something like, for example, my last book that I wrote, I went to the library and that was my gym time with the book. So it was, I'm at the library, I have my materials, I'm ready to focus, my phone is turned off, nobody knows that I'm here, so there's no distractions from other people, like I'm going to sit and write and be done with it in a few hours. And I did that exact process over and over and over again until the book was finished. And that simplicity for me makes the the task at hand so much easier to focus on because that's all I'm doing. And I'm not doing anything else. I'm not going to try to do anything else. And when that happens, it is amazing how much you get done and so fast and the quality bar goes up and it feels great. You end those sessions. I just feel wonderful because I know that time was spent on an important project and I got a lot done on it. And so I try to apply that simple methodology of just a focus block of time to those few projects and goals I'm working on and to guarantee that time on, my, on the calendar. And if that's there and the calendar has these predefined blocks of time, then there's a pretty good chance at the end of that week, the things that mattered most got done. And so really for me, my review process at the end of every week is just asking that question, how can I have more of these focus blocks? And the more of them that there are, and the more that they're aligned properly to my goals, well, then the more I'm getting done. And so for me, that's just my entire focus. Literary fitness is one of your FBOTs. I think I'm going to start adding that to my calendar. That's <laughs> fantastic. What else? Any other quick hit kind of tips or tricks when it comes to productivity? Any apps, tools, any secrets you've got that you want to share with our listeners? One of the things that I started doing a few years ago was balancing how I use my calendar versus my task manager. So I use an app called Nozbe, N-O-Z-B-E. It's very similar to other tools like Asana or Todoist or Trello. Uh, these are very common uh, task manager tools. And so my, the one that I use is very similar to the rest of them, but I, the, it's the way I use that in comparison to my calendar that I think has made a big difference for me. So the way my calendar is set up is I have events and guaranteed large blocks of time. So if a meeting that I have or a scheduled call with someone for a podcast, for example, that'll be on the calendar versus my smaller tasks, the little things. Those are all in the task manager. And the reason why that's important is because I think it's very easy for a calendar to fill up really fast with a lot of minutia. It's very easy to fill one space with way too many ideas that really don't belong there. And so one way to help kind of mentally process all the things we have going on is to not have everything in one view. We have things separated into buckets and kind of placed in different apps for different reasons. So you're never quite seeing everything at once, because if you do, you'll probably go crazy because there's so many things that could be addressed. And so for me, it's figuring out how to drop these items into various buckets so that when I want to focus on something, I can go see that one area of my life and get more value from it. And I think that has worked really well for me because now my calendar looks a lot more sparse. It only has the guaranteed you know, events and meetings, and it doesn't have everything on it. And the task manager, same idea, a bunch of little things, but they're scheduled and they're in buckets there and organized as well so that I only see what I need to when I need to see it. I think when you get to a point like that, 
your day doesn't feel overwhelming because you can address the things as they matter and not all at once. I feel like I just felt my own level of anxiety reduced significantly as I listened <laughs> to you describe this thing that I now have to go try instantly because I operate in the way that you're absolutely not operating. And <laughs> it is, it is very overwhelming and stressful. So that's an awesome idea. I'm going to give it a try and I thank you for it. Excellent. So as we wrap up here, Jeff, let me just ask, is there anything that I haven't asked or any burning bits of wisdom that you'd like to share before we close out? Uh, there is one concept in my last book that I wrote that I love discussing because I, f I feel like it defines my life a lot of times, which is that in the book, I discuss what I call nonsense. And nonsense is anything that does not have to get done that for whatever reason is on your to-do list, is on your calendar. And I feel like a lot of us have a lot of nonsense in our lives. We just, for one reason or another, said yes to something that doesn't really fit our current priorities, doesn't fit our goals, doesn't fit who we are, who we want to be. And so I find so much joy in just deleting the nonsense, just getting rid of it completely and walking away forever. And when that happens, you can take a really busy life and make it so much more manageable because you just said no over and over and over again. And it's a muscle. like It requires effort to figure out how to grow that and get better at saying no. But the more you do it, the better you feel and the more time you have. And I just, I love it. Um, it's still difficult. I still have to use that muscle in that sense to really say no more often. But it is such an effective way uh, to just be more on top of your life because you're not filling it with nonsense. So give that a try as well because I think it, it works really well. That sounds awesome. And it sounds very empowering and very liberating. I think we all tend to get bogged down by so much that we're trying to do. We're always trying to do so much and we're not necessarily taking the time to ask ourselves, what if I didn't, right? Mm. What if I just didn't do this thing? I love the idea of nonsense. I'm going to start with my husband and see how that goes over with him. <laughs> I anticipate not well, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, that, that's a tough one there. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for the wisdom and the stories and the inspiration. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Have a question I can answer? Check out all the links in my bio for ways you can reach me. You can also visit my website at leadabovenoise.com or follow me on the Modern Mentor podcast page on LinkedIn, where I share exclusive tips, videos, and musings. Join me next week for another great episode. Until then, thanks so much for listening and have a successful week. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.